Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Well, good evening. Welcome to... Prime time. I'm Dr. Gina. This week is the biggest week in history of the United States of America to happen in our lifetimes. Tonight, the president holding a rally in Georgia to stop the socialist takeover of the U.S. Senate. And tomorrow, Georgia votes as we all wait to see if the same fraud will be committed tomorrow as it was in November. And Wednesday, the House and Senate meet in a joint session to count the electoral votes. And that is where some Republican members of the House and Senate say they will challenge the validity of those electoral votes. That is the day that so many patriots have been waiting for since the moment the election was stolen in November. Coming up later in the show, we will talk to Phil Klein from the Amistad Project on the legal avenues that are left to stop this deal. So stick around for that. And yesterday, the fake news media went into high gear when they were provided with leaked audio from a Saturday phone call between President Trump and Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Now, the president laid out in detail all of the irregularities and evidence of fraud and had a great handle on all of the facts in this situation. President Trump even seemed to have a greater understanding than the Secretary of State himself. Not surprising. Bits and pieces of the call were taken out of context and the fake news media started a narrative that the president was asking the Secretary of State to rig the election, but that is not what happened at all. And when the facts came down, that was clearly evident. We can't listen to the whole call here on the show, but here's a little bit of the part that the fake news media does not want you to hear. Listen. If we could just go over some of the numbers, I think it's pretty clear that we won. We won very substantially, uh, Georgia. We have at least two or three, anywhere from 250 to 300,000 ballots were dropped mysteriously into the rolls. Much of that had to do with uh, Fulton County, uh, which hasn't been checked. We think that if you check the signatures, a real check of the signatures going back in Fulton County, you'll find at least a couple of hundred thousand of uh, forged signatures. The bottom line is when you add it all up and then you start adding, you know, 300,000 uh, uh, fake ballots, then the other thing they said is in Fulton County and other areas, and this may or may not be true, this just came up this morning, that they are uh, burning their ballots, that they are shredding, shredding ballots and removing equipment. They're uh, changing the equipment on the, uh, on the Dominion machines. And, you know, then that's not legal. And they supposedly shredded, I think they said, 300 pounds of, 3,000 pounds of ballots. And that just came to us as a report today. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a very sad situation. They weren't in an official uh, voter box. They were in what looked to be uh, uh, suitcases or trunks, uh, suitcases, but they weren't in, uh, in voter boxes. 
the minimum number it could be because we watched it and they they watched it certified uh, in slow motion, instant replay, if you can believe it, but had slow motion and it was magnified many times over. And the minimum it was was 18,000 ballots, all for Biden. President went on to lay out in detail all of the evidence of fraud in that call. And you can go to my Twitter page at Real Dr. Gina to find links to that entire call. That is if Twitter hasn't removed them by now. Uh, we will talk to Trump 2020 senior advisor Jason Miller coming up about this call. But first, let's go around America to our hosts and correspondents on the ground. We want to start in Washington, D.C., where I will be tomorrow. But for now, with Carrie Sheffield. Carrie, what do you have for us tonight? Hey there, Dr. Gina. Happy 2021. I wish I had some good news, but here's the latest on the split, the chasm between the establishment Republicans and the more activist base. First, looking at in the House, there's a division between Kevin McCarthy. So Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader, he says he supports the electoral challenge in the House, while the deputy Cheney opposes it. McCarthy endorsed the effort. House Republican Conference Chair Liz Cheney of Wyoming, a frequent Trump opponent, sent a memo to GOP caucus members opposing the effort as a danger to democracy. Quote, such objections set an exceptionally dangerous precedent, threatening to steal states' explicit constitutional responsibility for choosing the president and bestowing it instead on Congress, she wrote. This is directly at odds with the Constitution's clear text and our core belief as Republicans. I will note, Dr. Gina, that this memo, to my knowledge, when she says dangerous precedent, she ignores the fact that Democrats did the exact same thing and challenged the electoral res results. They did this in 2001, 2005, and 2017. So I don't recall her sending a memo when Democrats were doing the exact same thing that Republicans are doing now. You also hear the same thing coming from Senator Mitt Romney out of Utah. He says he blasts what he called an egregious ploy to reject electors. He put out a statement and he says, my fellow Senator Ted Cruz and the co-signers of his statement argue that rejection of electors or an election audit directed by Congress would restore trust in the election nonsense. So this dispute is going to be going on here. Of course, we're going to keep you posted at justthenews.com. Now back to you, Dr. Gina. Hmm. Friends like that, who needs enemies? All right, happy 2021 to you too, Carrie Sheffield. And now over to Denver with our own Jessica Rivera. Jessica, what do you have for us? Well, Dr. Gina, also happy new year. In case you missed it with the hustle and the bustle of the holidays in November, the Washington DC Council passed a bill allowing children to be vaccinated without the knowledge or consent of their parents or guardians. Yes, you heard me right. The bill that passed is B23017, known as the Minor Consent for Vaccinations Amendment Act. And it allows children aged 11 years or older to consent to a vaccine that is recommended by the U.S. Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, even if their parent or guardian does not give the permission. And if you go look at the bill, which I encourage you to do, in lines 37 to 38, it mandates insurance companies and school administrations and medical personnel to conceal the vaccination from the parent or guardian. But if that wasn't far enough, the bill also mandates that the doctor who gives the vaccination leave the immunization record of the child for that specific vaccine blank. Dr. Gina, this bill is in clear violation of the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986, which mandates doctors give parents or guardians vaccine information from the CDC before giving any child a vaccine. But just as always, the Democrats in D.C. who passed this out-of-control bill 
did so knowing Americans were preoccupied with the pandemic and the holidays, and they took full advantage of the situation. So it seems, Dr. Gina, that DC Democrats seem to think that 11-year-olds and older are rightfully uh, able to consent to now to take caring, taking care of their own health. Hmm. But not old enough to decide whether or not they should wear a mask, obviously. Uh, Jessica, this is shocking. You always shock me. I have to tell you, you had my jaw on the news desk tonight. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And Happy New Year to you. Now, back in Washington, D.C., where Amanda Head has flown all the way from the left coast to cover the rallies there in Washington, D.C. this week. Amanda, there are a lot of patriots headed to D.C. this week, myself included. What all is happening over there in the next few days that you can give us a heads up on? Yeah, so there are lots of people heading this way. Thank you so much for having me on, Dr. Jean. I should have said that at the top, but there are people heading from all across the country. I have a lot of friends in California who were coming literally all the way across our great states to come here. Now, as Kylie Kramer mentioned this morning, you know, a lot of these uh, marches have taken place at Freedom Plaza, the very first one that marched to the Supreme Court, and then the one that took place after that. But this one is actually going to be at the ellipsis near the South Lawn. Speakers are going to start at 7 a.m. Wednesday morning and apparently that is because there are people who you know they have to get to jobs in DC or in Maryland or wherever where wherever their job is and they want to be able to take place in this action uh, before they have to head on to work. Uh, Roger Stone was on with some of our hosts earlier today with David Brody said he is coming into town he'll be here starting tomorrow which seems to be an indication that there are going to be some speeches and such taking place tomorrow. Some prayer gatherings also taking place tomorrow in addition to everything happening on Wednesday. So President Trump has indicated that he is going to be speaking and addressing the nation on Wednesday that is set to take place around 11 o'clock. So a lot of things happening. So many patriots showing up to Washington DC to support not only their president, but the Constitution. You know, I have to push back on good old Liz Cheney when she talks about how this is not democracy. No, Liz Cheney, this actually is exactly democracy. What is not democracy is stealing an election, and that is precisely what we are trying to prevent. Well, yes, Amanda, I can in fact confirm uh, that Roger Stone is going. I'm actually traveling with Roger tomorrow, and I will be sharing the stage with Roger, and there will be some speeches tomorrow that so is you know. absolutely confirmed. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, funny, you and I talk every day, and sometimes just those little details get missed. But uh, yeah, that's absolutely true, and there will be speeches tomorrow, and we will be covering them here at Real America's Voice. Thank you so much, Amanda, and we'll be keeping up with you and catching up with you tomorrow, and I look forward to seeing you there. Coming up, Jason Miller has gone to war with the fake news over their reports about the president's leaked phone call, and he joins us next. More Dr. Gina Primetime will be with you right after this. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. We start this segment off with a fake news alert. 
Now, this fake news headline from the Washington Post reads, I just want to find 11,780 votes. In an extraordinary hour-long call, President Trump pressures Georgia Secretary of State to recalculate the vote in his favor. Earlier in the show, we played you some of the audio of the president's call. And just like the president's perfect Ukraine phone call, this phone call was also perfect. But... The fake news media put their spin on it and is smearing the president as usual. Here to discuss Trump 2020 senior advisor Jason Miller. Jason, there was really nothing wrong with this phone call at all. Not what we heard in the media. You set the record straight, Jason. Thanks for being with us. Gina, thanks again for having me this evening. No, you hit the nail on the head perfectly on this. There was nothing that was threatening. There was nothing that was untoward or illegal uh, about this phone call. It was a perfect phone call, just like going back to the Ukraine phone call at the beginning of the impeachment witch hunt. If you listen to the entire call, and it sounds like you did and I did, and a lot of us have actually gone through it, everything that President Trump was saying on that phone call are the exact same things that he says on Twitter or in his interviews or his rallies in everyday life. If anything, then we should be happy that we know that our the leader of our country says the same thing at all times. And here's the buried lead on this, Gina, and I can't believe that the Washington Post and a number of the other fakes didn't get to the bottom of this. The reason why you would say we're still looking for more ballots is because Georgia has already found thousands of pro-Trump ballots that were never counted on his behalf in the first place. Jason, after hearing that call, it's pretty safe to say that the president has a great command of the facts surrounding the fraud and irregularities that were rampant in Georgia. And he seems to know a lot more about Georgia's elections than the secretary of state seems to know. Does the secretary of state not understand or does he not care? And is this more really part of the deep state? Um, I'm just going to use the word conspiracy. The other side likes to use it. I'm going to go ahead and use it. Well, yeah, there used to be an old adage that the buck stops here. And when Raffensperger ran for secretary of state, he pledged to be the one that would run clear and smooth elections, that he would make sure that they were managed in a, a very lawful and coherent fashion. But what we have not heard is Raffensperger actually taking any responsibility for the mistakes that have been made, whether it be dead people voting or even today when Gabe Sterling, one of his underlings, went on Fox News, uh, sounded really kind of someone uh, a little jittery, like they might be losing their job if tomorrow doesn't go very well in the state of Georgia but the fact uh -huh. that they were saying well we're still we're still looking into uh, we're still looking into these out-of-state voters uh, and they glossed over all sorts of things like the suitcases of ballots uh, the thousands of votes that were tallied up in the but the one big thing actually I'm gonna say two big things here Gina number one I have serious concerns about the chain of command for these absentee ballots that were dropped off in the drop boxes uh, that is something that I don't think that either Sterling or Raffensperger has done a good job of explaining. The other thing, too, is keep in mind that the state Senate in Georgia called their own elections this year untrustworthy. That's following the December 3rd Senate Judiciary Committee hearing that they held in the state with Mayor Giuliani. So if their own officials are calling the election results untrustworthy, of course someone like President Trump is going to be concerned with the end result. Yeah, you, you bring up the chain of custody, extremely important. Um, you bring up the untrustworthiness um, that many are agreeing to. In fact, 30% of Democrats agree that these elections just don't look right. But here's my question. How did this get leaked in the first place, this call? 
Well, exactly. This is clearly a political hit. I mean, the fact that uh, I'm not a lawyer, so I can't speak to the uh, potential criminal um, fallout from this regarding where uh, Raffensperger might be in trouble for recording the leader of the free world, our president, and then diamond this out there. But what I can speak to is the court of public opinion. And I think Raffensperger is going to be held accountable by the voters in Georgia who look and say, wait a minute, you say that you're a Republican. What are you doing surreptitiously recording the president of the United States and then leaking part of it out to go get the negative stories going before you put out the full tape? Again, going back to how we started off uh, our, our conversation this evening, it's just like the Ukraine witch hunt all over again. But this was a clear political hit from Raffensperger. I think everyone would really like to hear what measures have been taken, Jason, uh, in Georgia tomorrow to assure voters that their votes are not going to be stolen, that their votes are going to be counted if they bother to get out there and vote tomorrow? Great question, and sometimes I err on being a little bit uh, cynical, uh, but it sounded to me when Gabe Sterling was up there today from the podium uh, trying to shoot down all the concerns that the Trump campaign uh, has with the way the November 3rd election was carried out. It seemed to be a little bit of him saying, hey, uh, look at this shiny object over here. I'm going to try to poke holes at your specific numbers, but I'm not really going to get into the uh, the real concerns that you have as a way to distract from what's going to happen tomorrow. And so the fact of the matter is there obviously were examples of dead people voting, out-of-state uh, people who were voting. Uh, we had the thousands of ballots that were pro-Trump that were found, uh, a whole bunch of concerns that we have with this election. And there, why weren't they doing this in December or even in November? It doesn't sound to me like they really want to get to the bottom of this. It's a big week. You know, I think all of us are just feeling the weight of it in so many ways. Potentially the biggest political moment in our lifetimes. On Wednesday, several GOP senators and congressmen are ready to challenge this electoral vote count. I've heard some say this challenge is just ceremonial, just for show. But Trump supporters are not going to accept some feigned attempt to look like they are just doing something. Jason, is this a real effort that will bear real fruit and could change the course of history on Wednesday? Oh, you bet. This is a real effort. In fact, what's going to happen is on a number of these states, so specifically Nevada, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia in particular, we're going to have the opportunity for someone from the House, someone from the Senate to go and object. And we can go and have a national vetting of these concerns that we have with voting fraud and with the voting irregularities that we saw on November 3rd. And so even if there are in-state Democratic officials or, sadly to say, in a few states, in-state Republicans, Republican officials who want to sweep this under the rug and don't want to deal with the abuses that we saw. We're going to vet this out in the public eye and everyone's going to know exactly what is happening here. And then I think even some of the uh, even some of the senators, even some of the House members who maybe were initially a little hesitant to get on board with this. will at the very minimum, say we do need a 10 day audit to get to the, the bottom of it. And I do think a number of folks who hadn't previously commented will say, you know what, there's no way we can get on board with certifying some of these states uh, because because of all the, the fraud and abuse. And so I look forward to these members of Congress laying out in specific detail the things that you and I are familiar with, but uh, many of the American public, because so many in the media want to sweep it under the rug, are not familiar with. 
And so w to, the, to the degree that we know how this will go down procedurally Wednesday, uh, can you tell folks what to expect? I know it's really confusing, but to your best ability, layman's terms here, um, and since you and I, neither one are lawyers, maybe you can help us understand this to the best of your ability. Absolutely. So give folks just a, a brief moment of historical context. Where a lot of this precedent comes from is 1876, uh, when you had the Hayes versus Tilden election, and there were concerns that the Democrats had rigged the elections in South Carolina, Florida, and Louisiana. Uh, and then also Democrats were challenging one of the electors from the state of Oregon that Hayes clearly won. What they ended up doing is setting up a 15-member commission five from the House, five from the Senate, five from the Supreme Court. They went through all of the examples of voting fraud and irregularities and the way the Democrats had rigged it, and they ended up going uh, for Hayes by a one electoral vote margin. So that's, and then 10 years later, they had the Electoral Counting Act, uh, which they actually went through and, and codified some of these procedures. So. As we go on Wednesday, typically in the past, it's been largely ceremonial, where the vice president gets up there and opens each envelope and says, uh, the state of Alaska gives their electors to uh, President Donald Trump, and they start going through this. Well, you're allowed, if you have someone from the House and someone from the Senate who object to a state's electors, electoral votes being counted, then that opens up two hours for each body, two hours for the House, two hours for the Senate, to debate and hear out all the details of the fraud and irregularities. So I rattled off six states, there could even potentially be a seventh, but I think probably those six states, we should expect to hear between one and two hours uh, uh, from each body, maybe even a little bit more, of going through in granular detail, and then at the end, each side, meaning the House, and the Senate votes on whether or not to certify and to count those actual electoral votes. So we're making a, a very strong push here that at a minimum, we need to have this audit to go through it in a lot of details. But in some of these states, they're so uh, completely goofed up, particularly a state like Wisconsin, where we absolutely have it dead to rights, uh, that tens of thousands of ballots were cast illegally. Uh, states like Nevada, uh, where there are significant uh, voting fraud and out-of-state voters and live ballots strewn all over the place, that we think we can change a lot of hearts and minds on this. But at the very least, we're gonna make sure that the American people are fully confident in what's happening with our elections. So if some of those states then are not certified, what happens then? So if they ultimately, if a state, uh, if for some reason, uh, if there's not a certification to it, uh, then it would go back to the state uh, at which point then they would decide and that typically would be the governor or the legislature uh, that would then have to go and take it up. Um, but we're very confident that we're going to make a lot of noise on this on Wednesday. Uh, we will see how this shakes out. Obviously, you have a Democratic-controlled House, a Republican-controlled Senate. Uh, but as we've seen, sometimes uh, Republicans in Washington don't act like Republicans. So uh, we'll see what happens, mm -hmm. but we're going to make sure that uh, Americans can be confident uh, that they know exactly what's happening with our elections. So then the next time, whether that's literally tomorrow in Georgia, uh, whether that's coming up in 2022, 2024, that everyone can be fully confident of what's happening with our elections. Jason Miller, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate you. Thank you so much also for just what you do. Thank you, Gina. All right, coming up, Phil Klein from the Amistad Project, still working on the legal avenues to stop the steal. He's next. Stick around. More Dr. Gina Primetime coming at you right after this. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, 
a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. As some GOP congressmen and senators are ready to challenge the electoral vote this week, some folks, like my next guest, are doing all they can in the courts to stop the steal. Phil Klein from the Amistad Project joins us now. Welcome back to the show, Phil. Good to have you. Thank you, Dr. Phil, tell me. Thank you. Phil, tell me, time, you know, time is running out. What is the strategy now with the work of the Amistad Project? Um, is there still time to do something in the courts, or is the legislative uh, process now really our last best hope? Well, abso- absolutely. The state legislatures still control the ability to certify or decertify the election. And Vice President Pence ought to defer to them on January 6th, this Wednesday. They are asking him for more time. In fact, our affiliated uh, 501c4 Got Freedom is working with state legislators who are jointly signing a letter to the vice president asking for more time so that they can actually meet, debate, and vote to certify or decertify the election. Now, what is the insight you're hearing? Because I have patriots all the time asking me about these rumors floating around on the internet that somehow Vice President Pence, I believe even the Lincoln Project is running an ad saying that Vice President Pence is, uh, you know, sort of sailing away from the Trump administration. What are you hearing on that? Well, not anything in particular. We won't know until Wednesday. And really, he's got a, a decision to make. Does America deserve an extra 10 days? to really take a look at this election and for state legislatures who have not even met since election day as a body to debate whether these presidential electors should be certified, have the opportunity to meet, debate and vote. The constitution says they have that responsibility and authority. I think the vice president ought to let him do it. And so let's say he does, and let's say they have those 10 days. What happens in those 10 days? Well, the state legislatures then need to come together as a body. You know, there are executive officials preventing that from happening. In fact, the governor of Michigan mobilized 200 state police officers on December 14th, and she locked, ordered them to forcibly prevent Republicans from entering the state capitol while she allowed Democrats to enter and certify the Biden electors. Now, that, that ought to be a national a national controversy, but our media is just not willing to report those facts. But the vice president can now stand up for the Constitution, stand up for a transparent election, and afford more time for these state legislatures to come together. I mean, of course, we reported it, but, you know, uh, some will. Yeah, You're right. You. Is there any reason? <laughs> is, is there any reason why those same meetings couldn't be accomplished by Zoom? And do you think that some of these state legislators who are on the constitutional side of things have you know, made accommodations in case uh, governors decide to act this way again? We, we have encouraged that. Got Freedom hosted a phone call with up to 300 state legislators on Saturday. And what we informed them is you could meet in a field. <laughs> you can meet as long as a majority of you come together and then make a declaration, an official oath by oath, 
you can either certify or not certify the, the election. When the Constitution was written, we didn't have all of these wonderful state capitol buildings. You don't need to meet there. Right. All right. Well, you focused a lot, Phil, on exposing the dark money that influenced the elections. Are you getting any traction on that? We're starting to. It's, it's amazing to me in the noise of our culture that this has not risen to more prominence. But Mark Zuckerberg, personally, actually funded more in the election than the federal government provided in the 2020 CARES Act for doing the election during COVID. So we had a shadow government and it created a two-tier system for elections that was funded by Mark Zuckerberg that made it harder to vote in Republican strongholds and very easy to vote. In, in fact, almost impossible not to vote in Democrat strongholds. And I, I mean, you know, I don't understand, I guess, why that's not illegal. Well, we believe it violates federal law and federal law requires each state to have a plan that treats all voters equally. Now, what Mr. Zuckerberg did is he moved those funds through a nonprofit who then went down and gave it to Democrat strongholds, city commissioners, city mayors, county commissioners, those folks who then spent the money. And it was unprecedented that th this has never happened like this in American history before. And so I don't believe the courts were ready for it. I think there are a lot of judges who don't want to do anything with elections, don't want to touch it, so they're afraid to look at it. And I think the novelty of it and the boldness of it is what shocked our system so that those systems that are pre to prevent this type of action by government um, failed. They actually failed this election. So, I mean, then the follow-up question to that is naturally, how much has the Zuckerberg money influenced, and money like it, I guess, influenced the Senate runoff elections? Has any of this been stopped since November? We, we have filed suit down in Georgia. We're hoping to stop it, but yes, he's back there. You know, it was, these, it was Zuckerberg money that put these drop boxes that, where there was no chain of custody kept. Where, right. you know, and, and this was a problem from the beginning, and we raised this issue. You could have Johnny, who's a young Republican, pick up uh, for the election commissioner drop box locations in the Democrat precinct, and Johnny loses his way on back to the counting room. Or you could have Billy, who might be a member of Black Lives Matters, who picks up these ballots in a Republican precinct, and suddenly they find themselves uh, the ballots in the ditch. They were required in Georgia to have two people pick it up, uh, to have people of both parties present to keep logs. And guess what? They did not. And guess what? Well, it's happening again. Well, terrifying and uh, time to rise up in ways we never have before. I think we'll see it from Patriots this week. Phil Klein, you're a patriot and a gentleman. Thank you for all of your hard work. And thanks for being on the show with us tonight. Thank you. This week, patriots from around America are descending on Washington, D.C. You might be one of them. I am. My next guest is headed there as well. She's bringing a few busloads of patriots with her. Former congressional candidate Kathy Barnett joins us now. Kathy, welcome to the show. Tell us about your efforts to get people to Washington, D.C. this week. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And yes, and actually, uh, I am still the candidate for the 4th Congressional District of Pennsylvania. I have not conceded. In fact, oh, we are working me. alongside many legislators in exposing the fraud that took place right here. Uh, but yes, you know, I mean, like, what do you do as a people 
when the courts refuse to hear your grievances. You know, our side of the political aisle, we don't riot, we don't loot, we don't burn down people's private property, we don't drag people's children into the middle of the street and stomp on their head until they go unconscious, as we saw the, 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 the other side of the aisle do on numerous occasions during the summer of rage. Instead, our side of the aisle is doing what the Constitution affords us to do, and that is to take our grievances before the courts and to have those uh, grievances heard um, and, and responded to. But what do you do when the courts refuse to, to, to handle the substance of your, of your, of your grievances uh, based on merit versus dismissing them uh, using tools such as standing to legitimize them dismissing it? What do you do? And one of the things we're doing is exactly what's gonna take place this Wednesday. We get busloads of people and we go and we force our legislators to hear us because in a democracy, the the elites do not have the 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 ability to just tell the rest of us 75 plus million of us to just shut up and go back to sleep you don't have that luxury when you're living in a democracy and so we're going to dc to make sure that they know that people are worried about the violence kathy should people feel safe heading to washington dc this week i mean i don't know right i mean do you feel safe now or will we feel safer when um, if we allow the Democrats to get away with this blatant disregard, if we allow our politicians to believe that that they can do whatever they want to do and that there are no repercussions, that we'll just roll over and play dead? Um, it's now. It is now that we stand. This is our 1776 moment. And I'm so yeah. grateful to God that we had so many founders uh, back in, in 1776 who were not wimps, weenies, and punks, and who were not willing to just roll over and play dead when the queen came against them with some insurmountable odds. And today, this is our 1776. It feels like some insurmountable odds. But it is either now or never. It's no, we, we don't have time for the wimps. We don't have time for the punks and the weenies on this one. We need people who understand that our nation is truly hanging on the precipice of non-existence. Uh, we cannot allow ourselves to be manipulated that we can get this right next time. We need to get this right, right here, right now. It's overwhelming uh, amounts of, of, of fraud, irregularities, that something horribly went wrong on November 3rd. We cannot be silent on this one, guys. It almost feels, Kathy, like, you know, as you called it, our 1776 moment, I believe Ken Blackwell said, you know, there was the, there was the Civil War, there was the American Revolution, and there's this week uh, as the three most important moments in our history. Um, it almost feels like um, as we look back and there is uh, some sort of patriot litmus test, it will be, were you there? were you there on whatever the title of this week ends up being the January 6th day? I don't know what it'll be called, but whatever this yeah. moment ends up being, uh, were you there may end up being the true litmus test of uh, uh, were you really committed to our republic someday? Um, what do you think things will look like on January 7th um, if this extension isn't allowed if if this uh, if this further investigation this audit is not allowed god forbid god forbid um we uh, we can 
it is so hard to try to find the right words to help people understand uh, just how important this moment is. But people like you and I are in the business of finding the right words, uh, of, of helping people to understand that this is a do or die moment in our country, not just December, I mean, not just January 6th, but every day until January 6th and every day after. We cannot go back to how we once were looking to, I mean, you know, and, and, and I've apologized uh, before the Lord and before others is that like so many Americans during the past four years, we all sat back and said, oh, I wonder what Donald Trump is gonna do to get us out of this one. I wonder what Donald Trump is gonna do as we see our legislators allowing, for example, here in Pennsylvania, the PA Supreme Court to just shred the US Constitution and to extend the number of days beyond November 3rd. Just, you know, uh, signatures not having to match, just, just so many different things. And we sat back and said, I wonder what Donald Trump is gonna do to get us out of this one. Every single time, instead of understanding what our role is, is in a in in a democratic republic. It's a, this is a republic. These people represent us, and and what is our role of making sure that they're held accountable? So it's not just uh, January sixth, and it's not just the day after, but it's every day until the Lord calls all of us home. Of what it is that we are doing to show up and to and to engage in our nation like never before. All right. Well, Kathy Barnett, well said, and thank you so much. Keep up the great work, and uh, I'll see you thank there. You. All right. Coming up, Democrats opened up the new Congress with a blasphemous prayer. You won't believe it. Stick around. More Dr. Gina Primetime coming at you back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. The 117th Congress opened with a prayer by Congressman Emanuel Cleaver. It was a little odd. Here is how that went down. Watch. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names by many different faiths. A man and a woman. <laughs> I can't. Here to respond. I mean, I don't even know. Do you laugh? I guess it's blasphemy, so I shouldn't laugh. But my husband, Amanda, I'm going to go ahead and bring you in uh, from our West Coast. Um, but she's in Washington, D.C. Amanda Head. I'm sorry. You know, I'm from Missouri. Emanuel Cleaver, he, uh, um, he served with my husband in Missouri. So I happen to know his IQ level. And I just, this is writing keeping. And I'm, so I'm not laughing at the prayer. Forgive me, Lord. I, I'm laughing at the utter incompetence and stupidity and the fact that this man actually gets elected in the state of Missouri. And all I can think about is who would vote for him, right? <laughs> 
Gina, your, your fellow statesmen and women, what are they thinking? So I decided to go through a list of words that we're going to have to alter if this is going to be the litmus test going forward. So uh, if you work at a restaurant or at a store, then you probably have a wool manager who is your boss. Uh, Lincoln <laughs> was the great emancipator. Joe Biden will impose a mask woman date. Uh, that slab above your file, fi uh, fireplace, that is a womantle. Uh, Angel Angela Merkel is your woman. And at some point in my life, I'd like to travel to Wool Manila, Philippines someday. I don't know when. I'm done. Gina, this is Congress. Are we in the Twilight Zone? I mean, first of all, let's clarify one thing for the for the for the agnostics and atheists out there, or whatever, for those who just never ever stopped to figure out what they're saying when they say the word "amen." The word "amen," um, in a, just a really super simple layman's term, means sort of "let it be," right? That's a, just sort of like a reflection of yeah. yes, I agree yeah. with that, so be it. right? Um, it's not the direct Hebrew. We could go into that another time, but um, but, but that's really what it means. It has nothing to do with gender whatsoever you have to be a moron to add gender to that yeah. it literally has nothing to do with gender whatsoever and the fact that he doesn't even understand that it's not even an english word that has nothing to do with gender is just it's it's mind-blowing that someone could be that dumb and serve in congress it's embarrassing can you imagine and, what and people in concerning. israel are thinking right now yeah yeah like he he they deemed him um I guess some religious authority or whatever. I mean, you don't have to be a religious authority to pray, obviously, but they put him on the floor of Congress to to say this prayer. But he thinks that amen is, is gender specific. I, I just ripped this from a friend of mine and posted on Instagram, a man and a woman sitting at a table at a restaurant. And the man's reading a menu and the woman is reading a woman you. But the concerning thing, <laughs> you know, apart from the fact that he was chosen to give a prayer and he doesn't know that... that you know, amen means so be it or it is final or whatever, is the fact that other countries see this. And that's what's most concerning to me. The fact that, you know, among all of the things that Congress should be prioritizing right now and Nancy Pelosi should be focusing on as far as the rules going forth for the, what is it, 117th Congress, this is something that they felt like they needed to inject into the new procedures. That's concerning to me. And yes, I think it's probably yes, they making have... us the joke of the world right now because they have absolutely no actual values or morals and that is the problem is they are in a yeah. moral deficit so uh, the one good thing i can say is that he had the mask on because i'm normally completely opposed to masks in all circumstances except for surgical procedures um but i'm glad he had the mask on because you really couldn't understand a doggone thing he said and i think he should wear a lot of masks more masks for you emmanuel cleaver as many as you could put on is a good thing all right now it's time for our meme of the day Now, this meme was found on Donald Trump Jr.'s Instagram page. In this meme, we see some American patriots sometime back in the 1700s, and it says how the seeds of the revolution were planted. We met in taverns. We met in restaurants. We met in churches. Understand the closures now? 
Um, actually, we talked about this on this show. Um, I, I had actually Bill Hennessy on, but uh, just to talk about, there are whole books written on this, and that this uh, pandemic, many call it a plandemic, um, and the way it was weaponized against the American people um, served many purposes, um, but this is certainly one of them. My, my actual Dino, my hairdresser, um, who does a great job with so many uh, facets of this show, but he even said to me today, the, the pandemic actually served some of the same purposes as Adolf Hitler himself. And he made a great argument. I'd never thought of it before today as he was, uh, as, he, as someone was doing my nails. Amanda, I want your thoughts on this. Yeah, you know, that that meme pretty much spells it out perfectly. That's the concerning thing is that the government, it seems, or Democrats, you know, the people who are engaging in, in these mandates and lockdowns within their states, What's the number one thing in common with all of those venues? It's where communication happens. It's when neighbors talk to each other. It's when friends and families express, uh, you know, joy in things and also express their concern. And you might think, okay, well, this is the year 2021. We have social media, we have cell phones. But on social media, there isn't a voice for us. Gina, you and I have been throttled and censored and thrown into, you know, Twitter jail numerous times. So they are shutting us down. It's that communication. It's that ability for us to say to one another, this doesn't really make sense. This doesn't seem like science. I don't think that this works. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. And there's a, a lot to be said for uh, the foundations of our country and how much of it did happen in churches, restaurants, and in pubs. Amanda, thank you so much for being with us. Can't wait to yep. see you tomorrow in Washington, D.C. And now it is time for Doctor's Orders. Now, it's easy to become discouraged in times like this because people we thought were our allies have betrayed us. Politicians we thought we could count on, those we possibly put our votes behind or perhaps even our hard-earned dollars or even our more valuable gift of time have let us down. Friends we thought would stand arm in arm with us at the most critical moment have softened and weakened and left everything in our hands to solve. We walk into the store, perhaps not wearing our mask, and we find ourselves completely surrounded in a sea of sheep and we wonder if we're the only ones in the world left with a spinal cord. You are not alone. Ken Blackwell said this is the third most critical moment in all of American history. He cited the Civil War, the American Revolution, and this week. This is all hands on decks, folks. Hey, do you have your marching orders for this week? Do you know your action steps for this week? Do you know every moment of every day what you're doing this week to restore the Republic? Because this is your moment, Patriot. This is your week to make the difference of a lifetime. It has never mattered as much as it matters right now. So what are you doing? What time will you wake up tomorrow? What time will you go to bed? Have you accounted for every moment in between and how exhausted you will be at the end of this week? And how will you have made your mark most importantly? And even more importantly than this, do you realize what an amazing gift you've been given? To be alive right now at a moment such as this, this is one of the best gifts God could have ever given us. You get to fight along with those who are really, truly the remnant. You get to fight beside those who have been filtered out to be among the most pure of patriots, the most solid of conservatives, the most godly of governments. A week ago, a month ago, a year ago, our party muddled through with those that would cower in the cushiest of arenas. 
the weak and timid souls that would never be able to stare down even the palest of enemies. No more. We've been cleansed. We've been filtered. We've been tested. The Patriots today, they're ready. The Patriots today are battle tested. They are armed in every way a Patriot can be armed from the depths of their souls to the straps of their boots, to the content of their character and to the strength of their arsenals. They will march across the country, across raging waters, across storming seas. They will do whatever it takes to save our Republic. No longer will you have to fight alongside Patriots you can't trust. The Patriots of today have been tested and they are as pure of heart as the driven snow and as committed as any army in the history of mankind. No longer will you fight with spineless, wimpy media carrying your narrative. You have real America's voice. No longer will you fight with flimsy, fake politicians begging for your vote. You have Donald Trump at the helm. We have much to celebrate and for which to be thankful. So before you begin your week with all of your action items and your to-do list and your check marks and your flights and your marches and your protests and your packing, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. You get on your knees, Patriot, and you thank your God that you are in alive at such a time as this, where light has shown truth and you, you get to be a part of something so very, very real. From all of us at Real America's Voice, this is your doctor's orders to start this week. Thank you all for watching. Thank you to everyone at your new home for real news, the uncensored and undaunted Real America's Voice, live from Studio 6B. Up next, I will see you in D.C. I will be speaking tomorrow at 6.30. Hug your children. Love your God. You go boldly now, and you live the truth. God bless you.